Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd the Third. I'm Serial and my pronouns are they them. And I'm Umberto, my pronouns are he him. Hello and welcome to episode 32, 32. which is Alexander Balas, also oh. known as Alexander the First. That's true. Wait, no. <laughs> not Alexander. Why no? Well, not Alexander the First. Well, is Alexander the first of the Seleucid Empire? Oh, I'm like we've had the an Alexander before. doesn't carry before. over from Macedon. Yes, we've you had know, Alexander three and four. Yeah, <laughs> I was so confused. Yes, our previous two Alexanders were Alexander the Baby and Alexander the Great. Yeah, let's see what this Alexander shapes up to be like. Wait, so we restart numbers with every new dynasty? Yeah, basically every new empire is its own separate thing. Uh, Isn't this confusing? It's going to get more confusing, because there's people who argue about the numbers. It's already very confusing with the same names and everything, but like, isn't it then worse if you're classifying people within... uh, (laughs) I guess if at the time it's not considered the same empire, then like, yeah, why would you... Continue the numbers. Yeah. I mean, also, at the time, they didn't really number them. Like, historians later numbered them just to distinguish them. At the time, you would have probably used, like, the epithet that they had. Like, you know, oh, yes, Antiochus the Great, or Antiochus Epiphanes, or Antiochus Eupator. And then you'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, I see. Because, I mean, now we do number our kings, but I guess that's because we already know that, like, historians are going to do that. Yeah, we do that at the modern... I think it started with popes. Pontifex can fact-check me on this, but I think it started with pope because there were too many Johns and they had to find a way to distinguish them. Ah, uh, I see. And then eventually. And the problem is that it gets messy when historians disagree who counts as a king and which number fits here, which, which guy was actually a usurper and doesn't count as a number. It's it's a thing. So Alexander the First, which yes, should be Alexander the Third. Alexander the Fifth, if oh, we're yeah. going by Macedonian numbers. True. Uh, all right. Yes. Well, remind me, because this <laughs> was reaction. interesting last time, because either we hadn't had an Alexander pop up, and so I wasn't sure where he came from, or it was a son that... I can't remember how we ended Demetrius, but I remember there was something interesting about the succession. Yes, exactly. Okay, so let's recap Demetrius and then we'll go through Alexander's life. If you remember last time, Demetrius was sent as a hostage to Rome, asked pretty please if he could have his kingdom back, was denied two times, then Demetrius snuck out, went to the Seleucid Empire, made himself king, killed his cousin, and hooray, now he's king of kings. Mm -hmm. Then Demetrius tried to organize the empire, tried to make the best of a bad situation. So he fought off some rebels, did a reasonably good job there. Then eventually we have that Alexander pops up because a powerful noble of the empire picked up this child and told everybody, hey, this is Antiochus IV's secret son. Right, right, right. His name is Alexander. He's meant to be king now. Please give me your money and armies. Yes. So we had this like random heir that appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, pretty much. So it's unclear. Is he? Is he not? Uh... My money is a not. Yeah, that's my belief as well. But you can make up your mind, audience. But anyway, at this point, then 
Demetrius tried to steal the island of Cyprus from Ptolemy VI. Ptolemy got very angry and sponsored Alexander's invasion. Alexander invaded, conquered Antioch. He won. Hooray. He's our next king. So, Serial, do you think he's going to do a good job? Or do you think he's going to fail miserably? Well... Or somewhere in the middle? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I know it's not a particularly long episode, so I don't have the highest hopes for, like, another Antiochus. <laughs> to be fair, that's a lot of our episodes from now on are going to be relatively short because of sources. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, I'm not expecting another Antiochus the Great out of nowhere. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I don't know. I could, could go either way. Depends how he and the people behind this whole plan, mostly, go about it. So Fair enough. Good that you mentioned the people behind the plan, because they'll be important in the story. I mean, like, I don't expect a... What, how old is he? Like... Uh, he was, like, a teenager yeah. when he got there, so I don't expect not... him to be just, like, oh, seriously, like, a, a mastermind of plotting to get the throne. Yeah, he's either 14 or 22 when he comes to the throne. Oh, I see. <laughs> we don't really have a birth um... date, but late teens is a reasonable assumption to make. So, all right, let's get started with Alexander's episode. So, Alexander... Balas claimed to be the son of Antiochus IV and a concubine, so that's why he wasn't mentioned officially as a brother of Antiochus V. He was only a half-brother, but now that Antiochus V is dead, well, Alexander's the official heir. Right. However, Polybius, our historian who was friends with Demetrius and told him not to drink too much, yes, he says that Alexander was just a kid called Balas who was from Smyrna and kind of looked like Antiochus IV enough to convince people, and he was just picked up to be a pawn for the king of Pergamon to take down Demetrius. That sounds likely. So, yeah, to weigh the different arguments, he could be an imposter, because it's weird that Antiochus V's little brother wasn't in the palace at the time, he wasn't being yeah. protected by somebody or mentioned at all in any capacity by anyone. So it's weird that he wouldn't be kept safe in the capital, but sent off to Pergamon as a refugee. But if he was in Antioch, then it's weird that he wasn't killed by Demetrius, who had no compunctions about killing a child. Yeah. So, meh. On the other hand, Polybius is a personal friend of Demetrius, who wanted his friend to be the good guy in the story. So yeah. he has an interest in saying that, oh, his rival is illegitimate. And also the king of Pergamon knew Antiochus IV. Yeah. So... Presumably, he could find some family resemblance in the kid. Although, again, it's very politically effective that it would work out. Mm -hmm. So, my belief is that Alexander was just an imposter because he was too convenient to everyone else to be, oh yes, the lost child. But, meh, you can make up your mind and also we'll look at the coin later on and you can see if this family resemblance is there or not. True, yeah. But yeah, so as I briefly mentioned earlier, last time Heraclides, who was the brother of the rebel that took over media last time, mm -hmm. not too important, but he's there. So Heraclides apparently found Alexander and his sister and brought them to Rome. Serial, can you guess what his sister is called? Laudica. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> the only other name. We have one we name have. for... 
women in this family. Yes, we can only afford one name. We are a poor family. <laughs> but so Heraclides goes and presents these two teenagers to the Roman Senate and says, Hey, I heard you like child kings. <laughs> Here's one. Do you want him? Also, remember Antiochus IV who surrendered to Rome? These kids would be favorable to Rome. What do you think? And, well, the Senate never really liked Demetrius very much, yeah, no. so they officially proclaimed that Alexander was the legitimate heir, <laughs> but didn't really do anything to help. They just said, yep, this kid's the heir. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah, they were like, if you, Demetrius, for a second time, <laughs> but we're still not getting involved somehow. Which, weird, because, yeah, they do like a puppet king, so... Yeah, they were busy with other stuff. They were busy plotting to destroy Carthage, finally, ah. and taking over Iberia. I see. They had other stuff on their mind. They were busy. But, anyway, here Alexander goes. He goes off, and fortunately for him, he finds support with Ptolemy VI of Egypt, who gives him a massive amount of money, ships, and soldiers to take his kingdom. So that's fun. Mm. Alexander managed to land in Phoenicia with his troops. From there, he gained the support of the Jewish leadership and met Demetrius in battle outside of Antioch, as we saw last time. Alexander lost his first battle, apparently because he didn't have enough elephants, but then on the second try, Demetrius was trapped in a swamp, killed, and well, with no king on their side anymore, the army just surrendered to Alexander and made him king. Hooray! Alexander is king in July 150, Either at 22 or 14, depending on what you want to think. Weird gap. I mean, yeah, because the only point of data that we have is that he was a son of Antiochus IV, and he was born after Antiochus V, so those are the two dates that bookend mm. the possible dates for his birth. He was always called a young person, but we don't know how yet. At least if they're... Like, whoever told him, oh, yes, you are this person now, like, actually is trying to make the timeline work. Because sometimes that's not even, like, a thing. They're just like, oh, yeah, this wouldn't work. Yeah, who, no, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, they're not choosing a five-year-old child or a 60-year-old man to be yeah. the mysterious son of Antiochus IV. They're actually choosing somebody that vaguely looks the part, at least. So, okay, cool, great. Alexander enters Antioch and... Well, it's time for a purge of all of Demetrius' supporters. Hooray! That's great. Now, you remember that Demetrius had three children. What do you think happens to those three children, well, They're Sarah? probably killed, right? Well, maybe. What do you mean, maybe? Like, if you're purging Demetrius' supporters, like, you also want to get rid of whoever would have a claim to the throne, right? Well, that's almost entirely correct, because... If you remember, two of the kids had numbers. Yes. Oh, yes, that's true. That's why I was confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and those were the younger kids that Demetrius had sent off to Nidus, where Titius came from back in the day. So he sent them off to this city-state to try and hide away and weather the storm. But, unfortunately, Demetrius kept one of his sons with him. He kept the one without a number, the eldest son, Antigonus. Yeah, who probably, being the eldest Demetrius probably wanted to you know instruct and have yeah exactly because probably would be the heir to be pretty much so poor old Antigonus is found by Alexander's soldiers and executed of course because well he's the legitimate heir of that side of the family 
might as well get rid of him. Although the sources say that, oh no, this wasn't Alexander, it was Alexander's council. Yeah. Oh no, the council got to him again, damn oh, it. Oh damn, we would have never. Yeah. So, hooray, Alexander's in charge of Antioch. He's killed most of the important courtiers of Demetrius. Demetrius's son, Demetrius II, is often Nidus. He's a teenager too, What do you but... mean Demetrius II? Well, one of Demetrius's sons was another kid called Demetrius, okay. but he's Demetrius II. So Demetrius II is now also a kid pretty much the same age as Alexander, yeah. give or take a few years. And he is gathering an army in the West to try and take back his throne. Right, yes. But we'll get back to that later. The middle brother, <laughs> When right? the ominous stuff, yes. The middle brother who is now the eldest. Yes. Because of deaths. But Alexander doesn't have to worry about this. He actually receives a very nice offer from Ptolemy. Oh. Ptolemy VI, who had supported Alexander and placed him on the throne, offers Alexander his daughter's hand in marriage. Of course. Can you guess the daughter's name? Uh, I can't remember the Ptolemaic names. There is one important Ptolemaic woman you Cleopatra. can remember. Exactly. Okay. Cleopatra. Because I was like, either it's that or, you know, I don't know the rest of the... Like, I know the Seleucids have four names. The Ptolemaic Empire probably also has, like, three or four names. Yeah. Surprisingly, the Ptolemies have more names for women. They just yeah. have one male name. I see. So, yeah, that's nice, I guess. But anyway, Alexander is offered a marriage to his supposed cousin, if he is who he says he yeah. is, Cleopatra. And Alexander graciously accepts this offer, and the two were wed with coins being minted for the occasion. Oh. So that's probably where we know. Yep. And an interesting element of these coins is that in them, Cleopatra is shown in front of Alexander, oh. which could suggest, perhaps, people are disputed, but it could be a suggestion that this is essentially Ptolemy saying that Alexander's now his puppet king because... His daughter is in charge of the kingdom, actually. I mean, wouldn't that be too on the nose? Like, would you want people to know that? I mean, you'd want people to know, you know, because he is on the coin, so it's yeah. not like he's removed entirely, but it's more showing, hey, look, Cleopatra's very important. Alexander, yeah, I mean, I guess he's around, but yeah. the important thing is remember the Ptolemaic soldiers that are guarding yeah, you. That's fair. So, and also another element of this authority of Ptolemy is that Alexander appoints two Ptolemaic officials as important ministers to govern the kingdom for him. Because we're told that Alexander is a terrible, terrible king. He is not good at it, nor does he especially care. As, you know, a kid from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it feels a lot like it's just a random kid who lucked out and became king. It's like, oh, cool. I get to have all the money I want. I don't know if I would Great. call it looking out but sure for a few years at least oh no definitely not it's cutting down your life expectancy yeah. but rather than begging on the streets i guess it's better sure and yeah the sources tell us that alexander was always out partying drinking never really did his job actually and left it to all these ptolemaic officials who actually had the real reins of power yeah so yeah yeah sounds about right it's not like he actually cares so not really. And I mean, you know, if Ptolemy says, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of it. That's great. You have all the perks of being a king with none of the responsibilities. Yeah. Sounds good. I hope I don't get murdered, but who cares? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I can't blame him. 
And also, a great advantage of the way he came to the throne is that Alexander was supported by Ptolemaic Egypt, Pergamon, so all of the West is stable and his ally and are the people who put him on the throne. Yeah. So, so that's awesome, and he doesn't really need to worry that much. He just needs to just needs to keep an eye on Demetrius II and make sure that he doesn't make too much trouble yeah. for the Empire. Okay, so awesome. The West is great. Let's look at the East. Oh no, everything is on fire. Because the resources of the East have been terribly, terribly depleted in the last decades. Because if you remember, Antiochus IV tried to reconquer the East... But then he died, and Philip took all his soldiers and brought them to the west. So those are soldiers gone from the east. Then Antiochus V also called more soldiers to try and fight back against Demetrius I. Those are gone. Then Timarchus, the governor of Media, fought off the Parthians, but then tried to take the throne himself. So that's more soldiers taken away from the east. Mm -hmm. And now that there are only two guys and a goat watching the walls of each eastern city... Alexander decides to take away the two guys and just leave the goat watching the city. Ah, fun. Because he needs soldiers to fight Demetrius II, so good luck, the East. I hope you have fun. And, well... (laughs) Yeah. That's not a great plan. That is slightly damaging to everyone, because the Parthian king, Mithridates I, decides to try another attack on Media. And this time, he manages to conquer it. Media is gone from the empire. And not only that, Mithridates decides to stab at the heart of the Seleucid Empire and marches all the way to the gates of Seleucia on the Tigris in the middle of Mesopotamia and conquers both it and Babylon in 147. And, yeah, the problem here is not only that you've lost your most valuable province in the empire, but also that you've lost your main road of communication to Iran. So now all of those places that were semi-independent, they're now just fully independent because they have no way of getting any authority. They've decided to just fully leave and be on their own. So we have that Elamites and Persia have become independent kingdoms under their own kings. So after 185 years of Macedonian rule, Persia is independent again. And Alexander is going to be our last Seleucid episode. I see. Because everything will collapse very rapidly now. It doesn't really look like Alexander made much of an effort to stop these invasions. Yeah, I think they've just given up on the east, you know. Yeah. It looks like they have, but that's just such a dumb idea, because it's... Uh, uh. Listen, nobody said they were smart. No, they haven't been smart for a while. And they also do not have, you know, foresight, so... No. We're also judging them from the eyes of history. That's true, but, you know, if you're a king, you'd hope to have the eyes of history on you. But yeah, so it doesn't look like he did much, either because... As we mentioned earlier, he was a terrible king who just had fun partying and the Ptolemaic advisors just really cared about the bit connected to the Mediterranean and who cares about the rest, that'll just make the Seleucids easier to control. So it it might be either mainly on him or mainly on the advisors for having Ptolemaic interests at heart. But in any case, the East is gone and now Demetrius II is coming because 
Well, the kingdom is a lot smaller now and a lot easier to conquer. Let's yep. go for it. Well, to start with, Alexander took the throne with an invasion. So he has an idea of how to counteract a usurpation because he went through one. He did one. So Yeah, he did one. So what he does is he takes the troops from the east that, well, now we're probably thinking, hey, wait, what happened to our home back in the east? Shouldn't, shouldn't somebody maybe check in? And he increases the garrison of all the cities on the coast of Syria and Palestine to stop Demetrius from getting a good landing point. Fair enough. But then Demetrius decides to just land in Cilicia, which is essentially the last bit of Anatolia in the empire, which was still under the control that the Romans had allowed them to keep. Hmm. And this is at the exact same time that Mithridates has taken Babylon and Mesopotamia is gone. Uh. So... Not a great coincidence to start with. And also, this landing was connected to a series of uprisings as the governor of Palestine rebelled in favor of Demetrius. And also looked like there was a small uprising inside of Antioch itself. So Alexander decided to just quickly run all the way to Antioch to try and hold on to the capital and quell this uprising. At the same time, he sent letters to his Jewish allies in Palestine and they managed to reasonably well defeat the rebel governor before he could link up with Demetrius's forces. Okay, that's something. Yeah, so things have sort of collapsed. You've only lost two-thirds of the empire. Let's not lose the remaining third, please. So at this point, Alexander's old friend Ptolemy VI invades Palestine, with the official justification that he's there to help defeat the rebel Demetrius. But he's leaving a suspicious amount of Ptolemaic soldiers in all the cities he passes by. I see. They're all outnumbering the Seleucid soldiers. Ptolemy, are we cool? Yeah. Ptolemy? 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 And this is when something unbelievably dumb happens. Oh, okay. It might be unbelievably dumb. It might be propaganda. You decide. Mm. Because we're told by the sources that Alexander... Seeing this invasion of Ptolemy was worried about losing the southern half of his kingdom. Yeah. So he decided to try and murder Ptolemy. Uh... I mean, A for effort? Um, <laughs> I don't know how you will go about it, but like, sure? Um, doesn't all of your support come from the Ptolemies, though? Fair point. Are you planning on, like... Taking his place? Like, are you planning on just being at the front of... I'm confused. I assume the plan is mostly hoping that Ptolemy VII is less of a pain. Or Ptolemy VIII, I think it is. But hoping that the heir is going to... Oh, I see. You know, not be as dangerous and maybe be more calm, more young and inexperienced. So their hope is not to, like, pull a Uno reverse card and be like, you're trying to take over my empire, so now, since we both have kind of the same claim, I will try to take over yours. Which, you know, is they're not on the same level, so I don't know how no. this would work. But it's more like, no, I will just kill you and hope that your successor is easier to deal with. Yeah, basically. Because Alexander knows there's no way in hell he's taking Egypt. He's barely holding on to the kingdom he has. Yeah. He just... Wants to make sure that that's an order and he has a Ptolemy that won't try and steal his kingdom. Right. So Alexander contacts some assassins he knows. He asks a friend of his, hey, find a way to kill Ptolemy. Mm -hmm. And then wouldn't you know it, 
news gets out. And Ptolemy has a nice letter saying, please kill Ptolemy, signed Alexander. He has proof that Alexander wants to murder him. Oh, okay. So Ptolemy asks Alexander, Hey. What the hell, bro? What's this? Huh? I put you on the throne. I made you. I can unmake you. How about we just be civil and you punish the guy you asked to organize my murder? That sounds fair, doesn't it? Alexander refused. Alexander said, nope, I don't know anything about this. You don't have any proof. That wasn't Except me. for the Go letter home. that, you know. <laughs> yes, eh, a, you know. What's a bit of proof? That doesn't count as proof. It's just proof. <laughs> what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Ptolemy is absolutely flippin' furious. Yeah, understandably so. So he divorces his daughter Cleopatra from Alexander. Because that's something that you can do. Apparently. Uh, Ptolemy's be Ptolemy. I mean... Yeah, as they have the same power to organize a marriage and to dissolve it. The people in the yeah. marriage have no say. <laughs> no, nothing. And then Ptolemy looks around the Mediterranean and thinks, hmm, who should I marry my daughter to? Any thoughts, Ariel? Who could be a good groom? Demetrius? Exactly! Oh, I, listen, <laughs> I, so I get it that now it's like we will go against Alexander now, but like, is this smart? If then you're putting Demetrius on the throne, which might have a better idea of like, or at least different ideas of what to do. But you are also helping him get to the throne. So I guess you would have the same kind of Yeah, you have the same leverage. Yeah. Yeah. And also Demetrius will have seen what happens when you mess with Ptolemy and said, yeah. oh, okay, I better toe the line and not try to murder my benefactor. Yeah. So, hooray, Cleopatra marries Demetrius, and now Ptolemaic armies are fully marching on Antioch. Yeah. That's fun. Brings us back to the days of Seleucus II. Damn. Yeah. But I mentioned that it's unclear if this is a conspiracy, if this is propaganda, or real stupidity. Because we only have Ptolemy's word for the murder attempt. And he was already kind of invading Palestine. Yeah. And he couldn't keep it if he's still allied with Alexander. He couldn't? Well, it would look bad. You know, you don't have a real justification. Hmm. But if you're allied with Demetrius, you can say, Oh, no, I, I took this from Alexander's lands, not yours. You can keep Syria. That's cool. I see. But I can have all this land. Because I'm like, how is it beneficial to not just, you know, overthrow Alexander? Like, how is, is it beneficial to bring Demetrius into the mix? If in the end, you just want to have the empire. Yeah, the plan there is generally that because the Ptolemaic Empire has a clear claim on Palestine. They've had it for about 100 years. The Seleucids just recently got it. So Ptolemy could just say that. He can't really conquer Syria. He doesn't have a proper justification. Like, he could take Syria and say, because I want it. Yeah. But then the people would be difficult to govern. It would be a pain. They would rebel, blah, blah, blah. But if he has a puppet king on the throne of Syria and he keeps Palestine, well, then he gets to basically own Syria anyway. But in exchange, it doesn't rebel. He doesn't have to deal with the organization. Hmm. It's a lot cleaner. Also, it seems that since the Seleucid Empire's eastern provinces have entirely collapsed, the Seleucid Empire is just going to be Syria and Palestine. Right. Might as well take half of it and give the other half to somebody you can trust. And we actually have that one Maccabees, the book that we've been looking at that talks about the Jewish rebellion. They clearly say that it's a trick on Ptolemy's part. 
<laughs> they're biased because they were friends of Alexander. But, yeah, that's true. You know. Each side has their own... Yeah, there are different options. Personally, I think that it's so dumb to try and kill Ptolemy at this point that it's probably a plot... Yeah, it's probably not what take Alexander over the empire. did. But, or, well, excuse me. Alexander's advisors are people who actually are yeah, doing basically. things. Alexander is not making any of these decisions. Alexander's probably in a constant drunk haze throughout these years, <laughs> trying to party as much as he can before the inevitable end comes. Yep. Okay, so now with Ptolemy's support, Demetrius II advances against Alexander, while... Poor old Alex runs away to Cilicia to try and build up forces and find a way to fight back. Mm -hmm. But Ptolemy marches into Antioch, where the Ptolemaic ministers that Alexander had left in charge open the city gates and say, Oh, thank you, Ptolemy. Please come in. It's been so nice to have you. These same advisors organize a great show where the leaders of the city offer Ptolemy the title of King of Syria instead of that to Demetrius. But Ptolemy is magnanimous. Ptolemy is kind and generous. He says, no, 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 I would never take Demetrius's legitimate place on the throne. I'll just keep Palestine for safekeeping. Don't worry. That's yeah. cool. And I'll make sure Demetrius rules well. Don't worry, citizens of Antioch. I'll keep a close eye on him. We're all buddies here, clearly. Yeah. Also, another reason why... Ptolemy maybe didn't take Syria entirely, is if you remember Antiochus IV, when he almost took Egypt, the Romans weren't very happy with that. The Romans yeah. put a quick stop to that. So maybe Ptolemy is also here thinking, I don't want a small Roman man to draw a circle around me. <laughs> I'll just take what I can get without getting them too worried, and that'll be enough for me. So he can just True. stop well enough. Also, at this point... Carthage has been razed to the ground. Carthage no longer exists. So, Rome's hands are free if they wanted to do anything. I am still so mad about Carthage losing. Yeah. I they didn't deserve it. Deserved yep, better. Yep, I don't think it was fair. But, you know, then again, yeah. when is it fair? Yeah, no. A lot of unfair things happen. We have to deal with the consequences. So, yeah, at this point, Alexander is preparing for the worst. He knows how things are happening. He sends his infant son. Can you guess the name, Sariel? Uh, Alexander? Nope, Antiochus. Antiochus? Yeah. Yep. He sends his baby son, Antiochus VI, off to a friendly king in Arabia for safekeeping. For safekeeping? Yes. Hey, keep an eye on this for me. Yeah, under a very trusted friend who will know a double-cross us. Yeah, no, At all, ever. Then Alexander marched against Demetrius. They had a large battle, but this time Demetrius II won and chased Alexander away mm. into the desert. But also an interesting thing that happened now is that Ptolemy VI didn't end well because his horse was spooked by an elephant Oh. and Ptolemy fell off his horse and cracked his head on a stone. Oh, no. Exactly. Oh, heck. What a silly way to go. Yeah, pretty much. And this allows Demetrius to actually keep Palestine and say, hey, cool. You guys are having your own civil strife, right? I can keep this province, please. I only have two provinces left. Yeah. Okay, thanks. That's lucky for us, I guess. Yeah, surprisingly. 
So Alexander then flees to Arabia to this friendly, very trusted king. But there, of course, he is murdered. And his head sent to Ptolemy, who dies just shortly after seeing Alexander's head. And then, eh, the end. So there we are. That is the end of Alexander I, Alexander Balas. And not only that, it is the end of the Seleucid Empire for how long we're going to cover it. What a disappointing end. Like, what is unsatisfactory, anticlimactic anticlimactic for Seleucid Empire? First of all, with someone who might not have been a Seleucid at all, probably. Mm -hmm. And then just like, yeah, eh. I mean, Mm. so doesn't Demetrius then become king? Demetrius does become king, yeah. Why don't we count this as Seleucid if it's the same family? Actually, more so than Alexander. Oh yeah, they're definitely Seleucid. I mean, they're... Two generations of inbreeding Seleucids, so they're pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty I, legit you know. there. <laughs> we don't count it anymore because, as your podcast device may say, the podcast name is So You Think You Can Rule Persia, and they don't rule Persia anymore, so we're just saying goodbye. Oh, I see. Right. So they, yeah. Yeah, we're shifting to the independent king of Persia that is around. They did say goodbye to the whole East, which is kind yeah, of the, exactly. you know... It just collapsed. The part that we're interested in. So it's not that the Seleucids are no longer around, it's that they're not in the Persian Empire. Yeah, pretty much. I see. Yeah, so the Seleucids will be around for a while. I'll let you know when we get to the point where they disappear, because we're relatively close to it, but we'll see. So essentially what happens now to the Seleucids, just to tell you, is that they will have an uninterrupted chain of civil wars. They will not have a normal succession until the end. It'll constantly be usurpation after usurpation, different lines of the family fighting each other. And the insane thing is that the more they fight, the less they have to fight over, but they fight even harder for that little amount. At the end, they'll be reduced to basically just Antioch, and there'll be like five brothers fighting over just Antioch, trying to become king of nothing. I, yeah... This is very, like, this is very sad and anticlimactic. It is very depressing. Chasing the golden years that will never come. Yeah. Especially since a lot of them are called Antiochus. It's like, none of you are worthy of the name. Just call yourself Jeff. (laughs) And yet the empire will come to an end in 64 BC when the Roman general Pompey the Great will just say, this is getting silly. I don't care which of you is king. This is now a Roman province. Okay, bye. Yeah. Which, honestly, can you blame him at that point? Yeah, I mean, after a while, it's just having a puppet king is too difficult. Might as well. It is as big as a province anyway. Yeah, pretty much. And that's how you get Roman Syria. And Antioch being the important Antioch that we all know from Roman history. I see. So there we are. Are you ready to rate this last of our Seleucid Uh. serial? Yeah, I am honestly very indifferent. <laughs> Are you ready for the disappointing sigh at the end of this empire? Yeah, I trust that we shall move on to more interesting things. Yes, next king is an actual like straight up king of Persia, so I'm very yeah. excited about him. Okay, cool. Okay, so our first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? Betrayed by the Arabian king, he hoped... To keep him and his son safe and maybe have a comeback. And his head sent to Ptolemy moments before he I died. mean, that was kind of cool. 
Like, I thought that was nice. Know, I think interesting storytelling wise. I'll go for like uh, I don't know. I I have again no reference on like what to give an interesting death versus an average one. I mean, I guess an average death is. <laughs> I guess yeah, you can just stick around with five ish. Yeah, no, I think the murder is good. I like the murder. I like that he was betrayed by a friend. Yeah. That's always cool. I like that his head was sent to Ptolemy just moments before he died as well, so their yeah. fates were tied. That was cool. We don't get a specific death scene, so I'm not going to go with full points, but I'm quite impressed, actually. I'm around an eight. Yeah, okay, I see. There's a lot of fun personal drama in there. I think it's cool. I will go for a seven. Because it's not like we have that much detail anyway. Yeah, that's fair. But it is a cool situation and interesting, you know, as interesting as a death can be. Yeah, it's pretty dramatic. Okay, so with an eight and a seven, we get a 7.5 out of 10 for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? Eh... I mean, he uh, was a teenager. He was a teenager. What did he do? like? What happened during? Yeah, what was done under his yeah, name? Let's exactly. Say. I mean, he managed to take the throne militarily. He won the battle against Demetrius the first. He also lost a battle against Demetrius the first. Yeah. But then you can argue those were mostly Ptolemaic soldiers. How much credit can you give to Alexander for this? This is more Ptolemy the sixth victory. He then lost the East, like he lost Media, he lost Babylon, and all the East just detached. There was no major battle because there was basically nobody guarding it left. Everything was just drawn away into this endless pit of civil war. So that's not great. He then tried to fight Demetrius, but lost. That's it. Yeah. So... Mostly losses, if so anything. Mostly losses, and the one victory he had was thanks to Ptolemy. I don't want to give him any points. So like, I don't know if he deserves maybe one, because he did get the throne militarily. <sighs> but... I mean, he did get the throne. Yeah, yeah. I feel like in his reign, you know, like not him as a person, but just in his reign, we have to count the fact that like he got to the throne by defeating Demetrius. That's true, but it wasn't his soldiers. I know. Even. It was someone else's. But it uh, happened regarding the history of the Empire. I'll give him a one for that. I'll give him a zero because I don't okay. think he deserves it. So I see yeah. your point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think a one is fair in total. So with a zero and a one, he gets a one out of 20 for battle hardness. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and subterfuge? There's something you can say here. So I don't know how much credit we want to give about the potential imposter because he may have just been a kid picked up off the street. So that doesn't really give him much agency in it. Also, if he is actually the secret prince, he doesn't really have much agency anyway because he's being carried around by other people saying, hey, make him king. Yeah, we didn't even give that a second thought. We were like, yeah, he's not. Like, definitely not legitimate. But, like, even if he were, doesn't change much. Yeah, even if he is, eh. (laughs) So, not much. The one big schemey thing he does 
if he does it, is try and murder Ptolemy like a complete buffoon. If he did that, that is very schemy, but also very, very dumb. If he didn't, then it's just a failure of scheminess because Ptolemy just ran circles around him. So I don't know if it's worth any points, maybe. So scheminess, I'd say a couple points. I think the attempted murder of Ptolemy, whether or not he did it, in his story, I think that's worth a couple of points. I don't think it's worth very much because it was a dumb plan. And no it did not work. What, like, even if it and worked he got out, caught, it he got found out. So plan. what kind of scheminess is, is that? Like, yeah, I guess it's a... Okay, one, actually, I think. <laughs> if he did do it, it is one just because he tried to be <laughs> schemy and Handsome as start. You tried. Yeah, you tried and failed. Mm. So, yeah, I'm sticking with a one just because, eh. How about you, Serial? Yeah, I don't know if to even give him a one. I mean, I guess we have that story. It's probably, he probably did not even do it. Mm-hmm. I guess, sure. A one. One? Eh, okay, fair a enough. doubtful one. <laughs> Questioning one. Okay, so with a one and a one, that gives us a two out of 20 for scheminess. Next up is shock factor. How shocking was this man? Well, he has good shocking credentials here, I think. Because, well, first, he usurped the throne in any case. That's pretty shocking. He may have been a random kid off the street who became king. That's very shocking, if true. The attempted murder of Ptolemy is very shocking. Mm. The fact that he partied all day every day and just left Ptolemaic officials in charge of the empire. That's pretty shocking. And... The fact that he just, yeah, the, the fact that he just left the Empire to rot is pretty shocking. It doesn't look like he even tried to do anything about it. Like, if it was everything is terrible, but he is trying his best, like Seleucus II, then that's worthy of respect. But the fact that he was just having a fun time partying at home while the Empire he owned was collapsing all around him, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Like, this isn't Mad King shocking, but it's just absolutely terrible King shocking. I, yeah, I... It's sad King shocking, honestly. Yeah. This is, yeah, it's just, come on, man. What are you even doing? This is sort of, like, Honorius hearing that Rome fell and asking about his chicken shocking. It's just like, come on, man, just Mm. make an effort at least. So I'm going to go quite high for shock factor. Interesting. Yeah, I think, um, let me recap. Let's see. So shocking, I'd say one for the usurpation, two for the officials, one for the partying, then add an extra two for not even trying, (laughs) and then add an extra two, whatever the case, for trying to kill Ptolemy. That gives me an eight. That's what I'm going for. I think there's a lot to be shocked about here with Alexander's. Rain. Just overall, a big what the f***. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm gonna stick with eight. How about you? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that is a good argument. I think you put Mm -hmm. it pretty clearly. I will go for seven, because I agree with the points you've given, but then overall, I'm not, like, so shocked about the rain altogether 
Okay. It's just like I can see that. But... Yeah, the Ptolemies are trying to take control of this, and it went however it went, you know. Yeah. So more for the vibe. <laughs> One point less for the vibe. Good point. Okay, so with an 8 and a 7, we get a 15 out of 20 for Shock Factor. Next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire in general and Iran in particular? No. What Iran? <laughs> no is the answer. <laughs> the answer is no. Why, Alexander? Why? He is obscenely bad. Like, imagine... His invasion of the Empire starts off a chain of civil wars that will end when the Empire does. Yeah. He is absolutely terrible for legitimacy. If Demetrius I had just died naturally and been succeeded by his heirs, that would have been a reasonably stable reign with a nice succession of heirs that you can trust. Yeah. And that would have continued well. You would have kept resources. But no... With Alexander, we have that first, the Empire is a puppet of the Ptolemies. Then it loses all of the East. All of it is gone. It just disappears. <laughs> then the Empire basically loses Palestine and is reduced to only the province of Syria. And then Alexander dies, failing again. <laughs> failing at life. He is just the worst. There is nothing to redeem him. He didn't even control the Empire. He was a puppet and a bad puppet at that. There is no way he deserves more than a zero. It is just, you're disgusting. Well, you disgust me, Alexander. You heard it here first, folks. Yes. This is what Umberto finds the most terrible, disgusting person. Poor kid who had no say in the matter. He could have tried. Antiochus the Great was a kid with no say in the matter, and well, he, he was legitimate, the you know. Yeah, but come on. <sighs> no, no, nothing. Serial, do you have any redeeming qualities to give this man? No, of course not. <laughs> it's just bad. Like, this Good. whole plan was just bad, and it's just the Ptolemies trying to, like, gain control of more things and breaking everything in their wake. Yeah, no. Okay, so with a zero and a zero, that's a zero out of 20 for Aaron Shine. Our next category is Face of Faces. What do you think this maybe random kid, maybe legitimate Seleucid looked like? Oh god, hold on. I'm gonna have to, like, draw something and think of yes. what the heck to draw, because I don't... I don't know. <laughs> okay, so Serial has finished their drawing. Let me... Pick it up, and I will name. describe it to you all. Alex the First, yeah? Yes. Balas is the supposed name of the random kid. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, my iPad autocorrected Balas to balls. <laughs> yeah, of course, Alexander I'm Balls. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor Alexander Balls. Mm. Okay, so let me open it up. <laughs> That's good, I like yeah. it. So, dear listeners, what we have here is a lovely throne that our Alexander has finally conquered after many troubles, many difficulties. Right. It has a nice checker pattern on the back, a tiny footstool in front, so your feet don't dangle if you're short. <laughs> I relate. And 
there is pinned to the back, there is a sign that says, Out drinking, ask Ptolemy, signed Alex. Which is pretty apt. I think that's a very good representation of all his deal. Because I put the same amount did. of energy and effort on this portrait as he did on his reign. Yeah, I think you probably put more effort. You actually <laughs> spent like a all few fifteen minutes. On minutes. It. <laughs> yes. Or however he long. You probably it took. spent like two minutes thinking about it. I was like, all right, off to drink. Bye. So thank you, Serial. That is excellent. Yeah, sixteen minutes. So. <laughs> record times okay so let me show you what he looks like and from here you can also tell me if you believe that he is actually a solicitor or just some guy so here is his face oh yeah i don't see any resemblance looks pretty especially different. since the family is pretty inbred at this point which means yeah. that where would you be getting the new features i mean i know he was like the son of a concubine yeah you could, but, like, but those would be pretty intense features to yeah. carry on that way. So, what's All right, so like? it's a profile on a coin, as usual. Mm -hmm. Curlier hair than our predecessors. And then a very interesting profile with, like, a pronounced brow bone. Lower eyes, still big eyes, kind of, that, that is kind of similar. Yeah. And then a nose with also a very pronounced bone in the middle of the nose. You know when your nose has a bump on it? Mm -hmm. And slightly downwards, and then also a pronounced strong chin. Yeah, the whole jaw is very, yeah. very strong there. It's a look, for sure. I think it's a good look, but I'm Especially not convinced he's a solution. was supposed to be, like, a child. I feel like this supports more than, like, 20-something... Yeah, this is... Theory. Yeah, this doesn't feel like a teenager. This feels no. like... Not with this, like, bone structure. It's very intense. Yeah. Like, very traditionally, I guess, Western masculine kind of vibes. Yeah. Yeah, that fits. I'm absolutely not convinced he was a Seleucid, but I think it's a cool face. I like it. It has character. Yeah. Yeah, no. I also like it. It's really interesting. Like, I would recognize it. Yeah. Mm. You know what, I think I'm going to go for, like, a six. Yeah. Because I think I, it's better I than say... average because it's more interesting. Also, it's nice to have you new know, jeans somewhere. New so features. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was also going to go for a six because it's also, it, it is interesting. I like the hair. Okay. Very curly. Yeah, it's finally curly again. So that's good. <laughs> what? Do you hate straight hair? Like, <laughs> <laughs> eh. Okay. So with a six and a six, we get a three out of five for face of faces. Next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man ruled? Uh, like four years. That is exactly correct. Yeah. I'm starting to get a good sense <laughs> of, you know. Your year senses are refining themselves. So, yeah, he ruled four years from 150 to 146 when he lost all the East and we stopped counting him, not him as numbers. So, there we are. A disappointing end. But that leads us to the final scores, which give us a total of 28.9 out of 100. Yeah. Which leaves him quite respectably placed between Artaxerxes I and Astyages. Huh. So he's one of the higher Seleucids, mostly just because of all the drama around the him. Yeah, just the blind panic with everything collapsing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it's, 
it's dignified, I guess, more than his reign, certainly. The story of his reign is much better than his reign. So that leads us to the final question, which is to say, is he tragic enough, dumb enough, terrible enough at his job to be called a Shahanshah, or is he just a Shahanshah? I would feel bad if we gave it to him and not Demetrius I, because I was on the fence for Demetrius. I don't think Alexander did enough. Like, his story is interesting. I don't think he's... Like, again, to be a Shah and Shah, you don't necessarily have to be good, but I don't think he was especially good at being bad either. Like, he wasn't a raving lunatic just randomly murdering and destroying stuff. He was just so crap at his job that he failed. Yeah, I was honestly going to be like, don't waste my and everyone else's time <laughs> asking if he's a Shahanshah. But but like it's it's such a wild like what I feel the like f- there's just an argument happened? there if you want, but yeah. Like I actually had to consider it for a moment because I'm just like, what is this? What is this period? Like yeah. wh- and also just the, you know, definitive end to the Seleucid Empire for the Persian Empire, you know, the Zelusid yeah. era. I'm still not going to give it to him. Like, I'm no. sorry. I feel like you could make that argument. I'm not going to. No, me neither. Moving on. Okay, so sorry, Alexander. You are Shahana. You can head off into the desert and tell Demetrius that you just made everything worse and now there's basically no empire left. Sorry, my bad. So that leads us to the end, dear listeners. We hope you enjoyed the twilight of the Hellenistic era, at least in this part of the world. And we hope you're all excited to join our next ruler, who is going to be Vodfredad I. We get new names, Serial. We get lots of new names now. Ah, exciting. So that's going to be a fun time, also because... Maybe that's not his real name. Maybe that's not him. Who knows? We get to delve into numismatics. I hope you're all fans of it. If you're not, learn to be. So, yeah, that's it. If you've enjoyed the Seleucid journey so far, we will be posting on Twitter and Facebook the images of the kings we've had in the next week. So if you haven't looked on the website, you can... Join us on social media and see what the kings looked like and look at their portraits by Serial. Also, if you've enjoyed the journey, why not review us? We always enjoy receiving reviews. They help people find out that we exist, get us recommended to them, and it's always helpful and we appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun to read what everyone else thinks of our show, honestly. (laughs) Before the inevitable Rexypod that ranks Rexypods. (laughs) we'll be there that would be very fun actually (laughs) the meta rexipod it's coming eventually i trust it inception but yeah so i guess with all that said there is no more to do except wish you a good week and goodbye goodbye